You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. The Guidicles podcast gives you the tools, direction, and resources you need to pursue your passion project. I'm Deborah Eckerling, Project Catalyst, and this is the Guidicles podcast. Our guest today is Alex Sloan, and we're going to talk about launching an art career, or really launching any career. An author and arts professional, Alex writes both fiction and nonfiction, lectures at art schools and organizations, coaches artists, curates exhibits, and works with a wide range of freelance clients. Uh, and she's the author of Launching Your Art Career, A Practical Guide for Artists. So I guess the first question should be, when do you sleep? But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that when we talk about work-life balance later on. But welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Deborah. This is terrific. Yay. Okay, so do you want to share a little bit more about yourself? and and how you got on this career path because you do a lot of different things. Yeah, I guess um, my very first job out of college, I worked in an art gallery, which I loved, but I hadn't done anything else, so I wanted to explore. I, I left and got into film and television production, and I started writing um, advertising copy. I always sort of considered myself a writer, and that seemed like a, something I could do and make a living at. And so I was doing production. I was writing ad copy. I got a job at an ad agency, and then the dot-com bomb happened. And I was sort of like, okay, now what? Friends I had who were artists needed help, and I sort of got drawn back into the fine arts, which I'm, I'm so pleased I did because at that point I had this wide range of skills, you know, marketing, advertising, production, organizing things. So I was able to sort of come back to it with a different perspective. Um, and I, I owned my own gallery at a gallery on the Lower Side of New York City from 2008 to 2012. And then I closed that to explore the nomadic approach. Um, and now I do pop-up shows. And I really like it because not being chained to a specific space for now has allowed me to do a lot of other projects like writing the book and working with different clients and, and having more flexibility. So it's been, it's been interesting and fun. And that's where I'm at now. It and what I found with a lot of people that, that I know is if they don't, well, first of all, Generation Xers, which I'm guessing we both are, we've had like a gazillion careers, whereas yes. the, the previous and, well, the millennials, we won't even get there, but the, the generations before us, they had one career and they stayed forever. Yes. Most of us, we've um, reimagined ourselves in different ways at different times. And it seems like people come back to their to their core, the things that they love, which sounds like what you did as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really have learned that lesson. You have to be nimble. You have to be flexible. You know, the world, totally different from what it was for the generation before us. So I, I've learned that lesson. And I've been lucky in that I've been able to incorporate sort of everything together. And uh, my real passion is writing. So I've been able to, you know, write this book for artists because I love artists. I want to help them. So it's all sort of come together. It's been nice. So what is the first step that either an artist or really anyone needs to take if they want to launch a career doing, well, let, doing something new? 
I would say in uh, all the, I did a lot of research. I talked to a lot of artists and a lot of gallerists about, you know, what they wish they'd known and recommendations and even just friends. And the one thing that really stood out for me that I really truly believe is, first of all, if you're being authentic and you're doing what you love and you're working hard at it, you can do it and really magical things will happen. It might not be what you think it's gonna be, but things will happen. So the first thing to identify is really, what do you want? What do you want with your life? Do you want to have a family? Do you want to make lots of money? Do you want to be famous? Don't be ashamed of what it is you want. Identify that because that really impacts every decision and every choice you make along the way. So the first thing I always say to artists is, what do you want? And I'm amazed at the variety of, of answers I get. But once you sort of get your head around that, then every decision you make, you can think, now, is this in alignment with what my goals are? And you can change your mind. That's the other thing. You can completely change your mind down the line. You can decide, you know what? Oh, I thought I really cared about you know, people knowing who I am, but now I realize it's about something else. So those are the, the, the two, the two part thing is identify what you want and be flexible and willing to change your mind. I completely agree with you. And actually when I work with my goal clients, that's the first thing I do is I have them do really? their future bio because you don't know. I mean, unless you know what you're striving for, how are you going to get there? I completely agree. Absolutely. Okay. So people have this vision, artists. Mm -hmm. Now what? Well, I always say for artists, and I do think it applies to other people also, the, two, the next two steps are to be prepared, and that's to just get everything together. Your website, your artist statement, your, any materials that you're going to need to oh, oh, actually make the art. Any materials that you're going to need <clears throat> to be able to show to the world, to engage with the world, and, and always be prepared because you never know when opportunity is going to strike. And then the other one that I'm a firm believer in is networking. So figure out what you want get your act together, and then build a community. If you don't already have a community, really focus on building a community. I always tell stu um, art students, your best community are the people that you're in school with now. Cultivate them and continue those relationships. And then with the, with the internet now, it's amazing. It's amazing. You, know, you can have friends all over the world who have similar interests, and you can engage with them and make recommendations to each other, help each other, just support each other. So that, that to me, is the, th the setup for getting ready to get out in the world. <laughs> I completely, completely agree, especially since you can you can ask any, if you need something, well, actually people usually ask me if they're looking for something just because of what I do. do. I've got yeah. a very, very wide net, net and wide network, but the, I love what you said about the people that you're learning with because you just, you don't know. Absolutely. And you, and you just, you never know where information or opportunity is going to come from. Somebody you went to school with could, you know, three years later, think of you for an opportunity for a show that, that they are curating or they know somebody else who is, you just never know. So really keeping those, making and keeping relationships, I think is really important. Okay. Now, what about pricing art? Because art is really, I'm sure you get this question I do. all the time. I do. It's art. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> It's a tricky thing. Um, unfortunately, and I will say, I do have um, just recently, I did a talk at the New York Academy of Art, and they posted on their YouTube channel. If you Google New York Academy of Art YouTube pricing lecture and my name, it'll come up. Um, I did an entire lecture there about this because it is such a big topic. And the unfortunate, the, the, the hard answers are it's worth whatever you can get for it, as with everything else. 
And if you want to get paid to paint by the hour, paint houses or make anything by the hour. You know, it's just, it's unfortunate, but you know, your art is really worth what you can get for it. And that relates really to where you're at in your career. So I meet people say, oh, but I spent so many hours on this. And unfortunately, it doesn't matter. Oh, my materials were so expensive. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter so much. So um, I would say I always recommend to artists when you're just starting out, price your work as low as you can possibly feel comfortable. Because the one thing is your art isn't working for you when it's sitting in the studio. It's working for you unless you're having a studio visit with somebody. But when it's out in the world, when it's in somebody's office, when in somebody's home, when people are loving it and talking about it and enjoying it and sharing it with friends, that's when you start to build up a collector base of people who are interested in your work. And once you start selling your work and selling more of your work, you can raise your prices. So the best thing to always do is start as low as you're comfortable. And that's obviously a decision everybody has to make themselves. Um, but some of the recommendations for ways to figure that out are, you know, Look at the people who are at the same level that you're at. You know, if you're just coming up, just getting out of school, what are other people you went to school with whose work is similar, who are at a similar level, what are their prices? Uh, that's probably the best way. And also look for guidance if you're showing at an art gallery, some feedback, if it's a group show, what other people's prices are at. But the, the number one recommendation is lower than you think. <laughs> Until you get established and then you can start raising them. That makes complete sense. And I will find the link for the YouTube video and I will put it in the show notes. That'd be great. It's super, it's a super helpful video. I think. I hope. <laughs> okay. So then the next question is what are artists better trying to sell like big things or like to go the Etsy route or is it really just the preference? That's a great question. It, it's so interesting because I've been doing this so long that I, when I first started, I didn't, even I, I hand I, I hand wrote rejection letters to people. There was no internet. I wasn't sending images to people via email so that they could make a purchase. It was just a whole different world. So I've really had the opportunity to watch this whole what the internet has done to the art world. And some people, you know, have negative things to say. Some people have positive things to say. I think it's amazing. I think it's created so many opportunities for artists. They've got all these great ways to reach collectors and and get their work out there and reach galleries. So. I do think I don't have any, any snobbish ideas about where you should or shouldn't sell your art, but I do think you got to keep in mind, what are your goals? You know, if you want to show at a super fancy New York gallery and participate in the contemporary dialogue and be in museums, then you want to go the route of applying for any, you know, small museum shows that are taking, uh, that, are, that have open submissions or trying to get into those kinds of galleries. If you want to make money and have fun and get your work out there, Etsy's a, a fantastic route, or even having your own shop. Um, in this day and age, I do think, though, that you do have to do a lot of the marketing yourself. You have to get your work out there, build relationships, be active online, and, you know, anytime you're in a group show, tell people so that they can learn about it. But, you know, as far as the level goes, I think people, you know, start wherever you're going to start, grow it from there. And then you asked about size. It's funny, um, having had a gallery in New York, having worked at galleries in Los Angeles, I think part of it is, for instance, in New York, it's hard to sell big work because people don't have wall space. Whereas in LA, people have big houses. So that's, those are other little things artists can think about. Like, okay, I'm in a group show in this city or this town or whatever it is, 
and sort of think about, you know, what you're going to send if you get if you if you get to choose what you're going to send, something that's more appropriate to what might be more sellable there. And the thing that you mentioned before, I just want to bring the point home. This isn't just for an art career. You need to be networking the heck out of yourself in marketing, no matter what you do for your passion project or if it's your full-time business. People aren't going to know that you're there unless you tell them, right? I know. It's so true. It really is. And and sometimes it's like, oh, man, do I really have to do this? But, yeah, you really do. You really do. And I hear it all the time from people like, oh, gosh, I just wish – but no one's ever going to, even if you end up with a wonderful gallery that promotes your work and does a great job with that, you still need to be doing it yourself. You don't want to hand all of that off. You, you know, that people want to touch the magic. They want to know the person. They want to hear what you have to say. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, th- I worked on and um, self-published a novel with a girlfriend, um, which was super fun. We co-wrote it and put it out. And we were like, oh, my gosh, wait a second. We have to let everybody know it exists. So I had that experience of, wait, I have to take all of my own advice and sort of apply it to my own life for my passion project. So it, whatever you're doing, you got to do it yourself. And if it's something that's creative, that's so personal, it might be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But you just kind of like suck it up and do it, right? You do. You have to suck it up and do it. And I know a lot of artists are shy and, you know, they, they have the experience of being in the studio alone all day. And that. So, hey, come look at my art is a hard thing to do. But, yeah, you, you, you do. And, and there's ways to do it that are authentic and sincere and not self-promote. Just made a word up. Uh, but, you know, there's ways to do it that, that comes off as sincere. If you're interested in what other people are doing, they're interested in what you're doing. If you make relationships with people you can engage with, they're going to care. So you can get the word out in a way that doesn't feel creepy. And do you have like one really good example of someone who's like uh, promotion aversive that they can try? I do actually. I I have found I have um, an artist that I work with who's amazing. His name's Aaron Smith. He has some very specific interests. He's an art history buff. He loves um, Victorian and Edwardian photography, and he had I. I've, watched and found from him that just by engaging authentically with people who have similar interests that he has, you know, he made a a blog, he's had a couple of blogs that sort of relate to his interests that don't have anything to do with his art career and certainly weren't created for that purpose. But just going places and engaging with people who have similar interests, if you collect dolls and you have friends who are doll collectors, you know, and your work features images of dolls. Chances are some of those people may take an interest. You just never know where those connections are going to come from, where those sales are going to come from. So I've definitely watched my friend Aaron really build a wonderful, broad, fulfilling, delightful community of people who he loves to engage with on all sorts of topics. And some of those people have ended up translating to actually being collectors or just showing up at openings and showing their support, which definitely counts for something. So I think, you know, the more open you are sharing your interests and finding your people online, um, as far as that kind of promotion goes, that can be super helpful. The other thing is nobody wants to have an empty opening. So if you are somebody who goes to other people's stuff, they will come to your stuff. Like out in the real world, old-fashioned style, go to people's stuff. When your time comes, they will feel like, you know what, that person always shows up. I'm going to show up for them. 
And that makes a huge difference. Really, really good points. That That's good. Show up for other people. They'll show up for you. Mm-hmm. And so what mistakes do artists make when they're launching their careers? The biggest mistakes I've seen are pricing work too high, mm-hmm. being too precious about it. You can't go backwards. You can't price something $10,000 and then a year later say, oh, my prices should be more like $2,000 or whatever it is. You can't go backwards. You can only go forwards. So the, the number one mistake I've seen is pricing work too high. Uh, also, I would say isolating, not getting out, not going to other people's stuff, not participating. Um, even as people's careers grow and they become busier and maybe get a little bit isolated. I think that's a mistake because you want to continue to engage. Um, and then the other thing, and I think this applies to everybody everywhere, I think a big key element in engaging successfully is being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes. I've spoken at so many schools and to so many students who say, oh, galleries are bad and and they just take half your money. And they have this really negative idea about that relationship. And I then I say to them, well, think about it. You know, think about what they do to earn that money and think about the value they bring you. And and it's like I see the light go off and, you know, the light go on and them say, oh, okay, I get it. And I think that applies across the board. Like when you're fighting with your spouse, just stopping and saying, where are they coming from with this? Just really being able to look at what the other person's goals are, what the other person's intention is. I've seen a lot of artists get into bad situations where they are, you know, mad that someone didn't get back to them. Well, maybe that person had a family emergency. You know, people are people. Everybody's got their own thing going on. Just sort of being considerate about the fact that it's a great big world out there and there's a lot going on. So that would, is always a big piece of advice I give to people. So Don't, be, be supportive and conscious of people beyond yourself and your bubble. Yeah, and, and also think about it as a relationship. And in, in particular with galleries, it's a relationship. You know, you need them for X, Y, Z reasons. They need you for X, Y, Z reasons. And it doesn't have to be adversarial. And, and to really think of it as, as a relationship and, and a positive thing, I think helps a lot. Wonderful. Terrific. Terrific. I love this. This is so much fun. Uh, so now I'm going back to the question I asked you earlier, which is work-life balance. What do you do oh. so you're not always working? Because you, you, you're you a multi-hyphen. I mean, I'm a multi-hyphen. I recognize what I see. Yeah. What, what do you do? How do you like take time for yourself? That has been a very interesting journey for me. Um, I would say that I, my gallery was open in New York from 2008, uh, January 2008 until November 2011, so pretty much four years. I had no life. It was great. I loved it. It was super fun and exciting. I had this awesome gallery. I had awesome friends. But my whole life revolved around my business. And the one of the reasons I closed my business was because my lease came up and it was New York City and they doubled my rent. Uh, but another reason was because I really was was very aware of that and feeling like I wanted to write a book. I wanted to do all these things. Um, and so I had a moment, Deborah, where I made that decision of I don't have work-life balance. I need to find that. And for me, in closing my physical space and really thinking about what I wanted, 
I was able to better prioritize. I also coincidentally, the following year, 2012, I met my husband, who was the man who was now my husband. And he has sort of a, a more nine to five type schedule and always has. And that has been incredibly helpful for me because unless I really need to, I try not to work on the weekend. Uh, whatever I have to do to get whatever I have to get done, done. And by that, I mean, you know, yes, I may do a little writing or a little editing, catch up on emails, but I try not to schedule meetings. I try, you know, this weekend I'm going out to openings, fine. But I try to create some structure around my time, which I never did before. The other thing, I read an article on entrepreneur.com recently that talked about time blocking, which is something I've never done before. And I've just started doing that and it's helped a lot. So my new thing is from 8 to 10 every morning, I write. From 10 to noon, you know, I block out my time. Doesn't always work. <laughs> Have to be flexible. But I've found I'm more productive during those times. And during those times, like 8 to 10 while I'm writing, I do not check my email. I do not do anything but that. And I get more done in those two hours than I do in what, however other amount of time I might have spent on it. So it's really been this incredible life experience for me, finding life-work balance. I feel like I haven't totally done it, but I've gotten better at it. And those are, I think, setting boundaries with myself has been, and other people, you know, you can't make everyone happy. This is true. <laughs> right? Someone's it, always going to be annoyed. Well, and, and whether you're someone who's got a day job and is building something on the side, or whether... Right. You're an entrepreneur with many, many, many different projects. In either case, you need to have um, boundaries and flexibility, which sometimes is the challenge, right? Absolutely, yeah. And 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 you can't have too much of either. I used to be all flexibility. Now I'm trying to you know implement some boundaries so I can still get lots of stuff done. And the other thing I think too, which you'll probably agree with, is it's never going to be perfect. Things just are never going to be perfect, and that I think comes with age. I've accepted that, like you know what, this is great and this is awesome and I could edit this one more time or I could make myself crazy over this one more time. But I tell this to artists all the time. Oh, they're late delivering their show of 13 paintings. Well, guess what? Nobody knows there were supposed to be 13 paintings. You're better off having 12 awesome paintings than 12 awesome paintings and one that was rushed. Just, it, it, just you got to learn to be flexible, just like you said. Well, it, this is the point where I give our listeners, watchers, depending on if you're listening or watching, uh, a goal, a personal and a professional goal. So I think to not be hard on yourself is probably a good personal goal and probably one that people don't normally think about. Absolutely. Be kind to yourself. Be yes. kind to yourself by all means. And then the bonus of that one is to, to try this. And the first time someone ever brought this this concept of not working a whole weekend up to me, I was horrified. I'm like, is yeah. that possible? But but try, try, try to not work a whole weekend. Yeah, or try to give yourself one day. Like, I am going to go step outside, get away from the internet, you know, for a day tomorrow, whether it's with your kid or whether it's with a friend or whether it's, a, you know, doing something, going to a museum, whatever it is. Take a day to give yourself a break. And, and I think those, those experiences just inform and, and create enthusiasm and are good across the board anyway. So everybody needs to recharge. So give yourself a minute to recharge. Okay, so personal goal is to take a day off. 
and I love not that. be hard on yourself. Just I love that. Go with that. Okay, and for the professional goal, I'd say put your ducks in a row. No matter what business you're in, if you're an artist, get your paintings and your slides and your artist statement together. If you're a freelancer, put all of your promotional materials together, no matter what sort of thing it is that you're doing. But but take some time and get the ducks in a row because as soon as you get a yes, they're ready for you for you to send out. I agree with that 100%. Get it together. When opportunity knocks, you want to be ready. Okay. And the bonus bonus goal is to go out to either someone's opening, someone's book signing, someone's anything. Thank you so much, Alex oh, Sloan, for, for joining us today. This is Deborah Eckerling with the Guide to Goals podcast, and you can go to guidedgoals.com to access the audio and the video and the show notes. A any final thoughts, Alex? No, thank you so much for having me, and um, it's been a pleasure. Okay, great. Everybody, you know what you need to do, so go on out there and go for it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.